Hey guys, I am back with my third podcast and I'm pretty sure this is my second to last podcast of 2018, which I can't say it enough. It is blowing my mind how fast this year has gone and how many crazy things have happened in my life this year. I have lived in three completely different homes this year. I have refocused my career from full-time portrait photography to personal branding and social media management. I started this podcast. I have opened up my Instagram and really started delving into and sharing my healing journey, which has been incredibly cathartic for me, and just overall experienced some massive change. If this is your first Heart of Healing podcast, I'm your host, Amy Johnson. And if you go back and take a listen to my first podcast, if you have a couple of minutes, that will give you a little bit of background. My podcast is basically me sharing my healing journey as I work through childhood trauma, past addiction issues, and work to implement positive, long-lasting change in my life. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Last week, I talked about something that I think is incredibly important, if not the most important thing when it comes to opening your heart up to healing from trauma, and that is allowing yourself to deserve good things through self-forgiveness. And I want to expand on that idea a little bit today and talk about some of the reasons we slash I (laughs) tend to close ourselves off to good things. Obviously, the first one was covered in last week's entire podcast, and that's because we don't think we deserve it. That is a huge issue that I personally struggle with. We sometimes make unhealthy choices that negatively affect people around us when we're in the midst of trying to survive. And when we look back and we think about those choices and behaviors, it's really easy to say, I don't deserve healing and I don't deserve good things. And we either consciously or subconsciously self-sabotage and close ourselves off to any sliver of positivity entering our life. Another reason, and the first reason I want to touch on today, is that we don't allow good things into our lives because it's not normal, (laughs) and things outside of our comfort zone are scary. I know that sounds crazy to somebody who hasn't been through trauma to hear someone say, good things are scary and happiness is scary, but if you ask someone living with post-traumatic behaviors, if happiness is scary and change is scary, I think a surprising majority of them will tell you, absolutely, yes, it is especially if that trauma and chaos has been going on since you were just a little kid like it has in my case. When you don't know anything other than chaos and discontent and survival mode, anything outside of that can seem like uncharted territory. It can seem boring. It can seem unsettling because you're waiting for the other shoe to drop. When you grow up or live for a period of time in a setting where there is dysfunction or abuse, You learn to distrust periods of calm because you know they never last, or maybe because your abuser used periods of calm or words of flattery to create a misguided sense of trust. You learn to stay in fight or flight and full-on survival mode even when things are calm because you don't want to be caught off guard and you don't want to be caught vulnerable. And it really is a matter of survival for some people. So what do we do when there's calm? we stir the pot sometimes without even meaning to because chaos is at least the devil we know. This can be an incredibly hard thing to change and a really hard mindset to break because 
most of the time it's not a conscious choice to keep recreating the same scenarios over and over. You don't willfully wake up and think, I'm going to screw everything up today because I'm way too happy this morning. It's much more insidious than that. It manifests in our relationships. It manifests in our jobs and our friendships and our parenting even. So here's an example from my life. I've been dating my boyfriend, Craig, who is such a freaking fantastic guy for two years to the day yesterday. Actually, we had an amazing two-year anniversary yesterday. I think it took me more than a year and a half into our relationship, and he might even tell you longer than that, to stop expecting something bad to happen. And I almost sabotaged and ended this relationship over the stupidest things so many times during our first year and a half of dating because I didn't trust that he was truly as authentically kind-hearted as he seemed. I always thought that somewhere something was hiding and I treated his emotional stability like a red flag. And I actually used that exact terminology to a few of my friends when I was describing him. I remember actually saying, he's so nice, but he's almost like red flag nice. And most of my friends thought I was crazy, but the friends who understood me when I said that were my trauma friends. When you don't trust calm and you don't trust happiness and you're endlessly waiting for the other shoe to drop, then your anxiety level increases because you're overanalyzing everything, looking to find that proof or evidence that life can't really be this good right now or this person or relationship can't really be this authentic. So you get accusatory and you start nitpicking and convincing yourself that things aren't really going great and eventually you find yourself in the midst of some argument that you started out of nothing or you just cut ties with your happiness in whatever form it takes so you can retreat back to that old comfortable place of heartache and trauma and distrust. And as I said before, if it's not something you're consciously choosing, it can be a very hard pattern to stop. Obviously, in a perfect world, that would be the point at which you recognize you have a problem and you seek the help of a therapist or a coach or group therapy for accountability. But now the problem with trauma brain is that we might know that's what we need to do. We might understand there are tools we can utilize, but we feel paralyzed from taking action. The good news is that I do think just self-awareness of this pattern is probably a huge beginning to overcoming it and changing it. I think taking little, easily actionable, not overwhelming steps that you can do, not necessarily even every day initially, just as often as you can bring yourself to do it, like using a mindfulness app with positive affirmations, as cliche as it sounds, can be incredibly powerful or meditating on releasing that familiarity and association with chaos and trauma. These little steps can be so important. These are the things that have been incredibly helpful for me and journaling about it and sharing with other people through social media and just chatting with other friends who struggle with the same things has been really good for maintaining accountability. As long as those friends are headed in the same direction, you know, like don't pick someone who's still rooted in their old unhealthy behaviors, choose someone who is on their own healing journey and, you know, is excited about it. Another thing that helps break that pattern of constantly reintroducing chaos and trauma into your life is living in the present and really meditating on and practicing gratitude around that feeling of calm and happiness. 
reminding yourself that you are no longer in that unsafe setting and that this is a different kind of happiness that can be trusted. I tend to wake up incredibly early in the morning, usually around 4 or 4.30, and Craig sleeps until about 6. So when he's here, I just take that time to do some work on my phone or catch up on a little reading. And when I see him laying there next to me, and it's so quiet and peaceful, and I feel safe and I feel happy, I know that I can just roll over and snuggle up on his shoulder and feel content. That's a moment where I really try to remind myself my circumstances and my setting has completely changed from other unhealthy relationships or from my upbringing and I can allow myself to let down my guard. Being mindful and allowing myself to experience gratitude in those little moments has been a huge game changer for me. Does that mean that I believe it's completely impossible for him to ever let me down or ever hurt me? No, I understand that you know, we're all still human and everybody makes mistakes and I do and he does. At some point in time, allowing myself to be vulnerable could possibly cause me to feel pain again. And at a certain point, that's just something you have to accept. But I do know that he's not going to physically hurt me, that he's not going to tear me down or insult me or insult my character or hurt my children or steal from me. I know that my safety is never going to be violated by him and that I'm in a position now where I can control who I choose to allow in my life and around my kids. I am not a 10-year-old kid with no place to go living in a home that doesn't make me feel safe. Am I completely cured? No, I'm not. I still have my knee-jerk visceral moments where I expect something bad to happen. Like the other day, Craig said to me, Amy, and then paused and then proceeded to compliment me for just being really positive on a day when he woke up with a terrible migraine and he thanked me for being uplifting. But when he said my name and paused, my heart skipped a beat and I thought I was going to, you know, kind of get in trouble for something, even though that has never been a pattern with him and never been any way that he's ever treated me. It was that little primal part of me that reacted to things in my past. In those moments, just using mindfulness and micro meditations and breathing can be incredibly helpful to kind of reground you before you react and bring you back to the present. And breathing is so underrated, you guys, seriously. I know that just sounds so silly, but taking some mindful deep breaths has such a calming, grounding effect on our mindset and our bodies. The second thing that I wanted to just briefly touch on today that I think really can either hinder or help us when it comes to allowing change and allowing good things into our lives is positive energy and who we choose to surround ourselves with. I mentioned a few minutes ago that you can always reach out to someone for accountability, but to be incredibly careful with the person that you choose to reach out to. There is this unique camaraderie between people who suffer from shared anxiety, emotional distress, or past trauma, and we tend to bond to each other very quickly because I think we have spent so many years feeling isolated and different from everyone else that when we finally meet someone who personifies some of our own bad habits and struggles, we just latch onto them like, oh my God, you get me. And that's a powerful feeling and it can really validate some of the things we go through, but it can also perpetuate dwelling on things and living in the past. So we need to be really careful that we're choosing to surround ourselves with people who are either working diligently toward their own healing or people who have already achieved healing. 
I'm going to say something else that some people with past trauma might not want to hear because I was definitely one of those people who didn't want to hear it very recently, as a matter of fact, but we need to open ourselves up to people who have never been through any sort of trauma. And I know it's not really a groundbreaking concept as I say that, you know, but to me, it was something I was passionately against for the longest time because I convinced myself trauma was baptism through fire and you cannot experience empathy or compassion unless you have been profoundly damaged in your past. And this really isn't true. Sure, there are some people who have led normal quote unquote or even privileged lives who are now horrible entitled adults, but there are also people who have been through trauma who are sitting on death row because, you know, there were opportunities to change and they chose the wrong path time and time again. I finally realized that we all bring different things to the table and spending time around my boyfriend who I think had a pretty solid upbringing and has a loving family and had all of his needs met in his childhood has actually been fantastic for me. But I had to open myself up to that. I couldn't look at him as someone that I resented because he had it easier than me. When I really realized the depth of my misguided perception of people who had happy upbringings, it was when I had my own kids and they got older because I realized that's the exact kind of upbringing I want my kids to have. I don't want them to have the upbringing that I have. I want them to have the experience of the people I told myself were shallow, entitled people. <laughs> and I'd like to think that my kids will grow up to be pretty awesome people. So I can't discredit and dissociate myself from every person out there who I convinced myself had it easier than me. It's that old comparison game, and in the end, all it really does is cut me off from people who can potentially be amazing friends or enrich my life with positive energy and vice versa. There is nothing wrong with surrounding yourself with happy people who had emotionally healthy upbringings and successful lives. It is a wise thing to do, and you're not unworthy of friendship like that because Eventually, that happiness and positivity will rub off on you and it'll affect your mindset and it will inspire you. Different people and different experiences make the world go round and it's not only you that need other people to enrich your life and to lift you up, but your experiences and your desire to heal and to get better will bring a unique perspective to everyone around you and people that you come in contact with and you have the ability to do so much good by opening yourself up to other people. So choose your friends wisely and choose the energy that surrounds you very carefully because it truly has the potential to change your life. So really that's kind of the gist of what I wanted to focus on today. Just ways that we can make a conscious choice to change the energy around us and change our expectations and what we think we deserve so that we can open ourselves up to good things happening and not close ourselves off and perpetuate the same negative patterns over and over again. You know, healing journey is a really popular phrase right now. It's an incredibly popular hashtag to follow on Instagram. I follow it myself and I find a lot of great content that way. And I think it's very powerful, those two words put together. Think of a paper cut on your finger. It's small and it hurts, but it heals quickly. And for all intents and purposes, it doesn't leave any scar behind. Then think of falling off your bike when you're a little kid and you skin your knee and it hurts a little bit more and it takes a little longer to heal. And it might even leave a scar for a few months, but you know, it'll fade over time and 
Eventually, you will work up the nerve to ride your bike again. Then think of a major injury. The pain is intense and the healing process can leave lifelong scars. The more wounds you have or the more severe the wound, the longer it's going to take to heal. As I've said before, it's not a once and done. It's a process. And that's why I think it's so incredibly important for those of us who have been through trauma to utilize things like therapy and group therapy and journaling and podcasts and support groups because it could be so easy to get sidetracked with life and to think that you're okay. I can't tell you how many times I've just started to scratch the surface of healing and then thought, you know, I'm totally good. Like I'm good now, I'm fixed. (laughs) Or I'm too busy for this right now. But these wounds have been there for so many years and these habits and behaviors have been there for so many years. It's going to take a lot of time and consistency to heal and to recover. Again, you can always send me a message through my Instagram at Amy in the Desert. Amy is A-M-I-E. And I would be more than happy to provide you with some of my personal favorite resources. These are not things I'm getting paid to promote in any way. I am not that cool, you guys. These are just some of the tools that have been helpful to me and continue to be, and I'd love to share them. And of course, if you can afford therapy, it's a wonderful place to start. So I always advocate getting help from a professional when it's something you're able to afford or fit into your life. So that's all I have for today, you guys. I can't wait to chat with you next week. It's my last podcast of 2018, and I'm really proud of myself for not waiting until January 1st to get this podcast off the ground. And I am so freaking excited to start off the new year with a series of podcasts that kind of go together and I think are really important topics. So thank you guys for starting this journey with me, and I will see you next week.